0: He's holding it. for Rory McIlroy. Shane Lowry is an Open champion. Tiger completes one of the greatest comebacks in Masters history.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to the Talk Birdie to Me podcast. Just before we get to today's chat, we have a number of things to cover. This is the last week to enter scores for the Talk Birdie challenge. Final cards can be posted by next Monday and the winners will be announced on Tuesday's podcast. Our prizes include a one-to-one short game clinic with Ian Stafford Golf Coaching, a TPI golf session, a number of tops from our crested range of clothing, vouchers for American golf, and also a few dozens of Titleist Pro V1 golf balls. So get your scores in. Also, we released our YouTube channel last night. Our first video was with Ian Stafford on generating more spin when chipping onto firm greens. Get your questions in for our next video, And we will get them answered by Ian, along with a number of demonstrations. This week on the podcast, we are joined by former professional golfer, Paul Cutler. Paul talks about his astonishing amateur career, where he had so much success and a super week at the Walker Cup, then talks about life on tour for a number of years before stepping away from the professional game. So enjoy the chat, guys. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're joined by former professional golfer, Paul Cutler. How are you keeping, Paul? All good, Shane. How are you? Very good, thanks. Thanks for taking time out today and coming on to chat. How's life post-lockdown? Yeah, good.
0: Um, I'm back at work now as well, which is good. Um, Keeping busy and two two young kids are keeping busy as well, so
1: all good. And many people talk about playing golf post-lockdown and it's like starting the game again. So just take us back to those early days for you growing up in golfing were your biggest influences?
0: Well my grandfather started me off playing and my father. um, They were keen golfers themselves and I sort of tied along as a kid you know so that's where my first memories of golf are. Yeah of course it's a good place to play golf as well so I was hooked quite early on.
1: And was golf always your main sport or did you play other sports? I played a bit of football at school and um, Gaelic and Hurling and things
0: like that at school as well but golf was really where it was after me
1: and you grew up in port stewart on a lynx course how did you find that the majority of courses in ireland are people who grew up on parkland but how did you find that different experience it's
0: fantastic i love lynx golf so i was lucky to grow up playing lynx golf you can play year round there's no real uh, interruptions with weather etc so um i think it had a good influence on my career as well because obviously playing in the wind a lot and on a good championship course it's been a good stead for the career i had in amateur golf so it was good.
1: And when I was getting into golf, everyone talked about that Ulster contingent and they would love to get a major winner from Munster. So you grew up alongside Alan Dunbar and Dermot McElroy. How was that or what do you think made every one of you so special in the game and had that ability?
0: I'm not really sure. And I mean, we had quite a lot of good players in Ulster. Obviously, Rory was from Ulster as well. So at that time, we seemed to have quite a lot of young players. I think our coaching system was very good. We had some good coaches like um, Seamus Duffy, Michael McGee, and Michael Bannon, obviously. And it was pretty well organised, so I'm sure that had something to do with it. But talent-wise, there's there's probably a bit of luck involved as well. We had some good players, you know, so
1: it was good. Growing up in the game, you talked about coaches there. Were you more of a technical player or a field player? A field player,
0: 100%. But um, I had some good guidance from Seamus Duffy when I was a young kid, you know. He kept me on the right track, and he's a very good coach. He coached me more or less throughout my whole career, so... He's very good.
1: And in your amateur days, you had some amazing wins and you had that wire-to-wire win in the east of Ireland in Baltray. Just how special was that to win a men's championship in Ireland on the amateur circuit?
0: It was fantastic. It was my That was my first win. But I'd played for Ireland previous to that and I'd played some pretty good golf, but I'd never had any individually to show for it, you know? So it was to get over the line on the first one, especially, of course, like Baltray, was, was fantastic, you
1: know? And as you got that win in Baltray and it was in an Irish field... You then went to Litum, and in 2010, and you also won there. How did you find that change in field? You know, bringing your game abroad. I don't think you really think about it at the time. You know,
0: you just you just get selected to go and play, and um, you go there with like no expectation, really, just just play your game. And sometimes it's good enough, sometimes it's not. And that time it was good enough. So but it was a big jump for me because it's a strong field. It was great to win there. That was really a jump start from a career, really.
1: And in Lithum, I read that you were struggling with tendinitis in your left al el- or left elbow that week. Even, was that something that kind of took your mind off the pressure or the environment that you were in, or was it something that you were just yeah, focused on the golf?
0: Beware of the injured golfer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was. It was I had it for quite a while actually. I struggled with it a couple of years previous to that as well. So, but I was still able to play. It was just the pain was bearable, but. Um, obviously a bit of expectation was off that week as well which which helped obviously and I performed pretty well so.
1: And in the build-up to that when you are battling injury did you take a lot of break away from practice or were you kind of fighting the pain as you were getting out in the course?
0: I was tending not to hit too many balls in between rounds or tournaments you know so just just trying to save energy for the actual actual turnouts themselves so yeah um, you can't really do too much practicing when you've got an injury so that's probably fresh as well in that
1: sense. And then coming back to the Irish circuit in 2011, you were the leading qualifier in the West, and then you beat close friend Alan Dunbar in the final. How special was that win again on Links, uh, Links Course in Ireland?
0: Yeah, it's good. It's good to do both, like win the qualifying and the actual tournament. So, but I had a good carry that week. Robbie Fitzpatrick I must give him a shout out for that. Uh, he's a Sligo man. He carried for me that week, so I had local knowledge on my side. But it was good to play Alan in the fight. We actually shared a room. The whole week. So it was a bit strange to be sharing a room night before the final you know, semi final and final. So
1: So Alan wouldn't have been one of your Irish teammates, who would have been close growing up and then as you said, you were sharing a room. What well, was that a you know, that whole week like where you just then turn out to be competing in the final, both for the title? I
0: think at the start of the week you don't really think about it because you don't know what's gonna happen, but as you get near the end of the week you sort of figure out this this actually could happen now, but you don't really talk much about it because you're just focusing on what you can do and what you can control. So but it was definitely a good experience to play him in the final. He's a good
1: friend and uh, a good competitor. So, And just take us to that final. So you're again, I know I keep going back to the fact that you're friends, but would you be strictly competitors in that final or was there a bit of banter and a bit of talking? Because I know that you saved your best goal for the final, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I think you have to sort of be focused on your own game. Um, you can't really show too much friendship in them situations because you might lose a bit of killer instinct. So... But he's quite a driven guy as well, so it was quite easy. You know, We just sort of stayed each other's way and played our game. and The result was in the end. It was me at one, but it could have either went either way, really. He's a good player too, obviously.
1: Following on from your win in the West, you then went to Shannon Golf Club, a parkland course, and you won the close. How did you find that week, four rounds of stroke play on a parkland course?
0: Yeah, I enjoyed that format, actually. It was the first time they had went to stroke play for that tournament, I think, if I'm right, and... It's a tight tree line golf course. I'd actually been there previously in two thousand and four for the Cups and Shields. I was playing in junior cup that time, and we got beaten all in the Ireland final. So it was good to go back there and get my own back, sort of thing. You know, uh, four round stroke was good, good, talk, good test, and I was delighted with that
1: win. What do you prefer, stroke play or match play tournaments? You've had success in both.
0: Yeah, I like I like both, but I think maybe in Ireland they should maybe look at having more stroke play because obviously
1: for young players
0: wanting to turn professional. I would say stroke play is a better idea to get more of a feel for it you know but at the same time I like the match play element of things as well um, it's fun and probably you can get away with in match play not playing as well and still do well in a tournament but you can't really hide in stroke play so it's probably a bit of both I'd like the
1: same world, you know. As you mentioned there the Irish Championships and the majority of them are played on Lynx courses and I know you may have a biased opinion as you are a Lynx golfer but do you think that there should be more of them held on parkland courses?
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. Um, a bit of variety, but at the same time, we live in a climate where the weather's not great, you know, so there could be a lot of postponements and with the, the ground being soft and puddles, etc. So Lynx Golf's probably a fair way to do it, you know, in this country. You know, but I'd like to see a bit of both. More, yeah.
1: And at the time, there was the best amateurs in Ireland were invited to play in the Irish Open. And you got two opportunities to play as an amateur in 2010 and 2011. How special was that, or how did you prepare for those weeks?
0: Yeah, that's where you want to be, really, when you're getting an invite for that. Um, 2010, though, was a, bit, was a bit starstruck, really. I was looking around myself and thinking, wow, this is pretty special. But, and then I sort of took a bit of emphasis off the performance. But the second time I went in 2011, I was a bit more prepared and ready for it, you know. And obviously, they played very well. And I was delighted with that.
1: You had a top 21 finish that week in 2011. Would you note any big changes that you made in your preparation going from year to year?
0: Yeah, well, I think I was just more focused the second time, you know, I was, I was desperate to play a bit better than the first time, sort of prove that I could play. Um, the first year I was sort of looking around myself, you know, and I was like, oh, there's there's Rory, there's Shane, etc." And the second time I wasn't really like that, you know, I was just focused on doing what I can do. So it just shows you when you're, properly focus what you can do when you're not so on the ball it can go wrong so it was definitely good the second year.
1: Things definitely did go right for you and you couldn't have got off to a better start in 2011 as you eagled the first hole just what was that thrill like for you and knowing that you were did that just help you ease in or did your expectations go through the roof?
0: You couldn't really get a better start really (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was obviously very nervous in the first as you always are really Um, had a good drive which has settled me down a bit and then a 52-degree wedge, and it took a couple of bounces and straight in. So that definitely gets you off to a good start, uh, score-wise and mentally. So when my caddy was standing with the putter in hand on the fairway, which was, <laughs> we had a bit of a laugh about that. <laughs> they took, put that putter back in the bag, would you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and when you were going to play in these events, was there any Irish professionals you reached out to, to help you prepare? Or was it just stick to your own team and... Get yourself in your best shape that you could.
0: Yeah, well, obviously, I knew, I knew Shane quite well. We were teammates, and I was chatting to him at the tournaments, you know. But the second time, I definitely was just focusing on what I, could, I had a coach with me as well at the time. So we were sort of focused on what we were trying to do. Yeah, I was coming off with quite a few good results in an amateur scene. So I was just trying to do a good performance there and push on for the rest of the year.
1: You mentioned there that you were off some good results, and getting on teams, many would say, is due to the fact of your standout performances. And you made the Walker Cup in 2011 in Royal Aberdeen, which some would say is the pinnacle of amateur golf. How special was that, that you were the top-performing player that week?
0: Very special. It's been a tournament quite close to my heart because I was trying to make the team so desperately for years, you know. So I remember the first time I watched the Walker Cup was in 2003 on TV. I watched it in Ganton, where there was a few Irish players and an Irish captain. And ever since that day, you know, I was desperate to play. I thought it was such a cool event. And... To finally get there and perform the way I did was probably the pinnacle of my career and it's something I'll never forget.
1: You went undefeated that week and you were the first Irish player since 1972 to achieve that feat. Were you confident going into that week that you were kind of would you say ready and prepared to the best that you could be?
0: Yeah definitely yeah well it's one thing to be picked but it's another thing to play well and I was I was desperate not to just go there and be a part of a team that was I didn't, I didn't perform you know so we had a good preparation as a team and I was prepared myself before I even went to meet the team. So it was good to have it see it all come to an um, end the way it did. We performed very well against a strong American
1: team. So I was delighted with that, yeah. We've mentioned Alan Dunbar a few times here. And you went out in the Saturday morning foursomes, partnered Alan and you a 5-4 and four win. How nice was that to share the success with an Irish teammate?
0: Fantastic, yeah. Um, we live like three miles apart as well. So, yeah. We were sort of comfortable playing together, and obviously the captain had us paired together, and he was confident in our ability. So, but having that there, sort of home comfort with you in a situation like that is is definitely a help. And we performed brilliantly over the two days; it was fantastic, and memories forever.
1: In the build-up to that week, did you know who your partner was going to be for matches, or was it all decided Friday night, Saturday morning?
0: No, we we had no idea really. We might have had a clue; we might have played together, but we didn't know until the teams were selected. You know the. Like a couple of days before, wherever it was. So, but that definitely made me smile when I was playing with him because obviously the comfort there of knowing each, knowing each other's game and played each other in the past. So, it was brilliant. Yeah.
1: There's so many amazing memories from that week, but a more lighter moment. Jack Senior was part of the team that week, and his brother was a pro or professional golfer and also caddying for him. And there was a the drama of nearly losing that match as pros weren't permitted to caddy. Can you recall any stories from that week or was there a nervousness that the whole thing was gonna upscuttle?
0: That could have been a disaster, really, yeah. Um we didn't know that rule actually, but it came to light. I'm not sure how it came to light, but their captain was very understanding and he was very very good in the sense that he decided that it didn't make a difference, you know, and he, he made sure that nothing happened of it, nothing came of it, and it was very good for us because it could have went
1: the other way, you know. So we were delighted with that. How did you deal with that week our post that week even the hype that you were the top performing player and there was so much of a buzz around your game
0: yeah well it's nice to be compared with like the players i've played previously and went on to do great things in professional golf i suppose i wasn't really comfortable with the massive hype in the end looking back now but um i was always going to be compared after a performance like that you know which is something i can't control really so But looking back now, I'm sure I wasn't really that comfortable with it. But at the time, we used to sort of get on with it, you know.
1: And you turned pro soon after that week. When did that decision come about? Or had you your heart set on turning pro as soon as the Walker Cup was finished?
0: Yeah, I think that decision was made probably in the middle of the year, providing I made the Walker Cup team, which I probably had made in the middle of the year anyway with performances. So... Yeah, I'd always, I'd always say, I was talking to Horizon at the time before, you know, so I was set on turning professional after it, yeah.
1: And what would you have said was the standout part of your game as you were entering the pro ranks?
0: Um, Probably
1: ball striking was my forte.
0: I've always been decent chipper as well, but the putting was not never really my strong point, but I sort of got away with it with the other parts of my game, you know.
1: We've mentioned it briefly earlier, you said about the hype and dealing with the pressure, and any time that... You look back on that week, you're being compared with Rory and Shane and how amazing your amateur career was. How did you find that added pressure when you did join the paid ranks?
0: There's definitely pressure to perform, yeah. Um, again, looking back from now to then, um, I probably wasn't as comfortable with it as I, I should have been. I should have had more confidence in my ability, but I probably lacked in that a little bit going into the professional ranks and it sort of showed you know I didn't perform nearly as well as I
1: could have How did you find life on tour? Did you see many big differences between the amateur scene and the paid scene?
0: Yeah well it's funny you say that because as an amateur you're sort of travelling together as part of an Irish contingent you know so there's like a team manager and there's other players going to tournaments even when you're playing individually but when you get out there in professional ranks it's me myself you know so there's there's no, there's not there's nothing to fall back on there's no comfort there there's no you're just on your own you know so it was difficult, I found it difficult to start to begin with, and then as it progressed I found it even more difficult, so it was
1: tough. When you did join the paid ranks, you talked about it was your team and just you, and Phil Wobbly Morley caddied for you at the start, he would have been one of the top uh, caddies on tour. How did that come about? How did you get in touch with each other?
0: Uh, it was through Horizon, Connor Ridge, it was through him that, that came about. Um, Connor obviously asked him if he could carry for me, and he said yes, and there was a bit of added pressure there for me as well because he's obviously well known, well known caddies um major winners of caddy. And I was desperate to play well in front of them, you know, it was a sort of a distraction, really, in a way. Um,
1: I probably would have done better with a lesser known caddy. Was there ever talks of like bringing a friend out on tour or making like a transition like that? Yeah,
0: well, looking back now, I should have stuck with the caddy I had in the water cup. I feel, um, it didn't come about, it. I can't remember exactly what reason for it, but I really should have. Probably put my foot down with, with myself and said, you know, just stick with to what you know. But hindsight's a wonderful thing, you
1: yeah. And in 2012, you played in the Irish Open in Port Rush which is very close to home for you. How special of a build up to that, and the feeling of playing in front of your local crowd, even.
0: Yeah, that was fantastic. Re- what a great experience that was. Um, I did. I was playing okay as well. I, I was at a bad finish in the second round, which I missed the cut just by one, I think. But that was fantastic. A lot of family and friends like watching. I had a friend on the bag and. That was a really good experience. Actually, I'm actually a member there now as well, which is fantastic. It's a fantastic club and course, and
1: I love it. After spending a number of years on tour, you won first stage of Q School for the Euro Pro Tour in 2012, and you played on the Euro Pro Tour as well for a number of years. How did you find the travel and balancing life as a professional?
0: Yeah, well, that, that tour is basically based in Great Britain and Ireland, you know, so the travel for that was was pretty easy. But and there's a few Irish players on it, so. And generally stay together in houses etc and travel sort of share so but i didn't really enjoy that turn at all um by the end of it i was just i was ready to sort of pack it in you know it was not playing well not enjoying golf and um it's not what i envisioned for myself you know so by the end of it i was ready to stop
1: as you were a young pro in the game was there any irish players took you under their wing or tried to help you as best they could for a number of years
0: yeah when i got there I- I got a few good starts in the European tour when I uh, turned professional, and I stayed with Shane a week, and she might give me a lift in a jet a couple of times. But apart from that, that sort of them starts sort of relinquished quickly, you know. And it only had seven, so after that, it was back to the mini tours, you know. So, but apart from that, Shane and Graham are excellent, yeah.
1: With the Irish contingent, and there's so many trying to get on tour. But well, you mentioned there that you had enough and it was time to regain amateur status. How did that decision come about, or who were the main people that you consulted that with?
0: Just myself. I had enough of, I knew I wasn't going to go back playing again professionally, so the decision was quite easy. Really, I just wanted to get back to amateur golf and the possibility of maybe playing again amateur-wise. But it's never came about again since. But um, there's always an option there to go back and play the tournament, you know. So. At least I have that.
1: And did you ever think one more year or was it just there and then you decided that that was that?
0: I think I did think one more year the previous year the, to turn him back. amateur, sure, yeah. I played another season. That was not for me, you know. And then I knew then in my heart of hearts that that was it, you know, back to the amateur game.
1: Funding is such a huge part of being a young professional. How did you find that, you know, for your four years as a pro?
0: Well, I can't complain, really. I had good funding. I had a TNBA contract and I had uh, the Team Ireland grant and stuff. So. I can't really complain that way. I had every opportunity, you know. But the funding doesn't really last long. You know, if you're not making much money from your performances, the funding soon runs out, sorry. So, but well, I can't complain. I was looked after very well by Team Ireland and Tealermade, et cetera. So.
1: As you said there that professional golf, a lot of it was just you. It was a small team. And then you came back as an amateur and you were still this big name in golf. Everyone would have known of what you achieved. And recently I spoke with Carla Reynolds from the ILGU. And she referenced how people see you just as the golfer or, you know, they only see, oh, this person plays golf. How do you find that now after? Do people take you as Paul Cutler or do they still kind of go on about your golf and thinking that the only thing that you live and breathe is golf?
0: Yeah, well, people still recognize you as a golfer. Yeah, I suppose it's nice in a way because you're not forgotten about what you've achieved. is not forgotten about, you know, but um, I still rather be recognized as Paul, you know. But um, it's good to be recognized for your achievements in the past.
1: And in the last number of years, have you taken a break from the game? Or are you still playing a lot of golf? I know that you were a big part of the Portrush Senior Cup team in 2018 when you got to the All-Ireland Final.
0: Yeah, well, when I got my amateur status back, I didn't really play much for maybe a year and a half, probably none. And then it came about that I could get into Portrush through a friend, which is fantastic. And I actually carried for him in the Senior Cup Finals in Carton House. I think it was 17 and i enjoyed like being part of that team like i was only i was only carrying but it was great to be back in that kind of environment again so they got me in thankfully to port rush and then we had a good year and senior cup we lost in the final but it was a great experience and i loved that team environment again so
1: as you were stepping away from tour life did you ever consider the teaching route or was it just step away from golf
0: that's something i never considered um i always enjoyed playing i really enjoyed teaching as much so I never considered that as an option um, and probably still wouldn't. So I enjoy playing golf and not really so much teaching it, you know.
1: As golf is such a cutthroat sport or any sport is, what advice would you have for the plenty of young players that are trying to forge a living from the game?
0: The one thing I noticed most is you have to be 100% committed to it. You've got to sort of breathe, live golf as your like everything, you know, it has has to be everything to you. You've got to really give it your all. If you're not really feeling that way, it's not going to work, I don't think. There's, there's so many players out there that are putting 100% into everything every day. So I would say if you're not really committed to it, I wouldn't, wouldn't really go down that
1: route of professional golf. And are you committed to golf in the next number of years? Or what? do you, do you have any plans of what you want to achieve in your own game?
0: I'm just enjoying playing at Port Rush at the minute, yeah. Um, senior Cups off is really where it's at for me at the minute. Um, I have no real plans to play any amateur golf again. In the near future, I've got two young kids there at the minute so and work, so um, I'm busy. But who knows? Maybe down the line I might play again. I would like to at some point, but it'll not be for a few years yet, I would say.
1: How nice of a distraction is that from golf and when you took that step away from the pro game and now you have two young kids to keep you occupied?
0: Yeah, it's brilliant. I just hope they take an interest in golf at some point, you know, so it'll keep me interested. Um, obviously, I can point them in the right direction, hopefully. Yeah, it'd be nice, it'd be nice to see them um play well i'm sure it'd be nice as a, as a father to have a kid that's interested and go down to see him root as his dad so yeah we'll
1: see what happens well paul it was great fun chatting with you today you have some amazing stories and you achieve so much that you've plenty to look back on with fond memories but before we do let you go we got some quick fire questions yeah do you prefer links or parkland links uh practice on the range or on the course on the course what age did you reach Scratch? Fifteen. Your best golf memory to date? Uh, Water Cup. And the best Irish player you played with?
0: Rory McIlroy. That was easy, that one.
1: <laughs> That's an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time today, Paul. I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy this summer golf. Shean, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. That's it for this week's episode. We would just like to thank Paul again for his time. It was great to hear about Paul's story in the game, growing up in Port Stewart, playing Lynx golf, and the amazing amateur career that he had before taking a leap into the paid ranks. So thanks again, Paul. And also, guys, just remember, it's the last week to enter the Talk Birdie Challenge. Check out our YouTube channel and hit subscribe. Thanks again. Chat soon, and please, Talk Birdie to me. It's
0: all the... for Rory Michael Roy... Lowry is an open champion. Tiger completes one of the greatest comebacks in Masters history.